0: Well, this is not typically uh, a Mother's Day message, though I think that it relates very, very well to mothers because I think every mother here wants to live a life that is full, abundant, free from anxiety and worry and all those kinds of things. I think every dad does too. In fact, I think every person here would like that. We've been in this mini series, three Sundays, on uh, living life to the full. And uh, I want us to pray because um, I'm really hungry for uh, the ministry of the Spirit of God in the life of the church and in our lives individually. Because unless we have the Spirit of Jesus Christ in us in His fullness, we can never have fullness of life that God speaks of. So Heavenly Father, as we uh, approach your word, uh, I pray that you will take uh, this, this mind, this heart, this body and communicate through it to the people gathered in your name. We, we really want to hear from you, Heavenly Father. And so we offer ourselves, our, uh, our thoughts to you. We ask you to come among us in power, in any way that you choose and that we will allow you to have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was young, which was a long time ago, I wanted to be a great athlete. That was my passion in life. So when I became a freshman in high school, I tried out for football. Made the team. I mean, I was a guard. Can't you tell? I mean, uh, I was injured in the first season and the doctor said you can't play football anymore, so I went to basketball. We lived one door from an outdoor basketball court and when our work was done, we were on the basketball court unless it was icy all year round. If we played one-on-one or two-on-two or three-on-three or if I was there by myself, it didn't matter. Learning to dribble, learning to pass, learning to shoot, all of those kinds of things. Getting good at basketball, I finally went out for the high school basketball team. I was the last one cut. (laughs) I didn't make the team, so I thought, well, I'm not going to give up. I want to be a great athlete. So when I became a pastor, our church had a basketball team in the church uh, city league. And so I tried out for the church basketball team, and I made it. I mean, I was the pastor after all. And uh, we played all season. We had a great time. We had three teams in our church, actually. It was a wonderful league. And uh, I was one of the guards. And uh, at the end of the season, they had a church-wide basketball league banquet. And I got a trophy, actually. I brought it with me to to, uh, 1976. There it is. Was that the year you graduated? Yeah. congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Hacker of the year. I had more fouls than anybody else in the league and so I got a trophy. There it is. Well, basketball didn't work so I thought maybe golf. Maybe I can become a good golfer. So I started playing golf. Actually, when I was in college, I worked for Railway Signal in Rochester, New York from 5 in the evening until 1 in the morning. And I joined the county golf club for $50. And then you had to pay 50 cents each time you played. And I played from 9 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Saturday, every day, all summer long, all summer long. Golf, go to work. Golf, go to work. Golf, go to work. Nurturing my Preparation for pastoral ministry, <laughs> and finally, uh, uh, I, I I was on the driving range, on the putting green. Uh, I finally entered a golf tournament, and I got a trophy. I got it. I brought it with me. It's right here. <laughs> this is for real. You can look at these afterwards if you want to. Uh, this is a rear guard trophy. It's a back end of a horse. I think it's a quarter horse, but uh, I came in last place. Those are the only two trophies I've ever won in my life. They're on my bookshelves in my study to remind me that I need help. (laughs) Regardless of how hard I try, regardless of my desires, regardless of my longings, I need help. Now, failure in sports is nothing, of course, to failure in life. And fullness of life cannot be accomplished without help. It just can't be. And, and the good news is that God loves to help us. Like, God is love And He is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And the Bible says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So He comes alongside of us to help us. And so Jesus, as we noted two weeks ago, comes in and says, Remain in Me, abide in Me as a branch abides in the vine. I will be in you and you will be in me and you will produce a lot of fruit. In other words, love will flow into your life from the vine and out of your life, into your families, into your communities, wherever you are, you'll be a fruitful person, abundant, full of life. And then last week, we looked at Paul's word when he said, in relationship to living life to the full, give your bodies to God. And we talked about what that means, what surrender is. Self-surrender is the secret of life. When you know that, you know everything of significance, fail that, and you fail everything. And so Paul says, give your bodies to God, and God will transform you by helping you think like God thinks. So we study His Word, we come to worship, we go to classes, we pray together, and over time, because we've surrendered to God, we begin thinking like God thinks. Now these are two keys to living life to the full, but there is one more, and it is spoken of constantly throughout the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, over a hundred times we're told about the Holy Spirit. For example, Isaiah the prophet said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. Centuries later, Jesus would be standing in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and he would read this entire passage from Isaiah And then he would say to the people there, this scripture has come true today before your very eyes. In other words, Jesus himself was declaring that he was full of the spirit of the sovereign Lord and that he had come to preach good news to the poor and so on and so forth. The prophet Joel in chapter 2 told of the promised Holy Spirit, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, he wrote. In those days I will pour out my Spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Fast forward another few centuries and on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the Bible says that everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. There were 120 people. Jesus had told them to go into the upper room and to wait there until the promised Holy Spirit had been given to them. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon those believers and they were filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we know about that is that Peter got up and began to preach because large crowds had gathered. And, and he said to them, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike. So, what about the Holy Spirit? It is common in any Christian church, anywhere in the world, if someone is baptized For the pastor to say in the baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we come to church week after week and we hear a lot of sermons about the Father, God the Father. We hear a lot of sermons and teachings about God the Son, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. But some people get nervous when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. Like in the early 1900s when the Pentecostal movement began to gain steam and began to impact large parts of the world, strange kinds of things happened. We've heard and seen weird things. We're afraid that somebody might speak in tongues or shout or jump up and down or actually fall on the floor and and uh, go into a trance. I mean, these things have happened. Maybe you've seen them on TV. Maybe you've been in those services. I've seen all of these things in various parts of the world. And a lot of things are said, this is because the Holy Spirit is here. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not true. God gets blamed for a lot of things that aren't true. And we don't recognize God in a lot of things that are of God. But there is a Holy Spirit, right? In fact, let me propose something to you. There is no such thing as fullness of life, abundant life, apart from the Holy Spirit. He is, after all, the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of God the Father. He is the Spirit of Jesus, the Son of God. And so God sent a man known today as John the Baptist to introduce Jesus to the people. All four Gospels record John when he said, I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, when you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, he is the one you are looking for, for he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. If we were to take a survey among Christians in many parts of of the church, and we ask them, why did God send His Son Jesus to this earth? The answers would typically run along these lines. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give His life a ransom for many. He came to take our penalty for our sins in His own body by dying on the cross. He came to offer us eternal life. All of those are true. They're all biblical statements. But you would not very often hear anyone say, if you ask them the question, why did God send Jesus to this earth? We wouldn't typically hear, He came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. He came to fill us with the Holy Spirit. But that's also true. That's also all the way through the Old and New Testament. Uh, You see, we need more than forgiveness from our sins. As wonderful as that is, we need more than that. We need the power of God to live a holy life, an abundant life. And so the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus and to us, says to us, be filled with with the Holy Spirit or because it is in the Greek present tense it can be translated be being filled with the Holy Spirit in other words the Holy Spirit is constantly acting wanting to fill us as we live life so he is filling us and his filling is overflowing from us into the life of this world because we are here to impact The world for God. Jesus described this. John tells about it. Jesus, he said, stood up and shouted to the crowds. You who are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in Him. Notice this, that the Holy Spirit is inside those who have come to Jesus. Inside the followers of God. But this Spirit flows out from us. No follower of Jesus lives for himself or herself. No, we live for the honor and glory of God, who gave His life for others, gave His life for us. Notice also that these are rivers of living water. Not streams, not creeks, not uh, ditch runoffs, but rivers of living water. I've thought about this scripture many, many times over the years of my walk with God. And every time I think about this passage of scripture, I think of the Niagara River. You know all of the Great Lakes. Flow into the Atlantic Ocean. It starts with uh, Lake Michigan and Superior that goes into Lake Huron, which flows into Lake Erie, and between Lake Erie and Lake Ontario before it enters into the uh, St. Lawrence. Canal to get over a river to get over to the Atlantic is this 36 mile long Niagara River. We lived near this river for many years and we visited many sections of it many times. At Buffalo, where the river begins, you can go out in your rowboat and you can uh, fish there for a while and enjoy a sunny day. But if you go down river uh, too far, You're in big trouble, in fact, there is a point of no return. And if you go there, you will discover, uh, if you're on the Canadian side, that there's a large barge there that went too far and got caught in the 25-mile-an-hour rapids above the falls. It's been there for decades, just stuck there. If you go toward the end of the river near Lake Ontario... On a warm summer day, you will see all kinds of canoes and kayaks as people just enjoy the serene surroundings of the Niagara River. But in between, there is incredible power as the water drops 188 feet off the top of the falls into the river gorge. It makes its way down the river for a few uh, hundred yards until it it makes a right-hand turn where a 1,700 by 1,200 foot whirlpool, 125 feet deep, creates a dangerous vortex which could take your boat to the bottom if you ever got caught in that. Tremendous power. From this river comes drinking water and fresh fish and industrial cooling and massive power, providing electricity for much of New York State and many parts of Ontario, Canada. The holy Spirit. Rivers of living water flowing from within. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the Holy Spirit of God has as much power and life as the Niagara River? Way more. Beyond our comprehension more. And these rivers of living water are given to us by the Holy Spirit to flow in us, to fill us with the love of God, so that the love of God will pour out of us into our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, the world in which we live. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit so that life and fruit and power and fullness and abundance will characterize our lives. Now, if you are a Christian... If you're a follower of Jesus, you came into spiritual life through the agency of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who convinced you of your sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. It is the Holy Spirit who brought us to repentance. It is the Holy Spirit who produced in us the faith that we needed to respond to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. He is the one who brought us into willing submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us, who baptized us into the body of Christ, who gave us spiritual gifts, who sealed us for eternal life, and who separated us from sin. This monumental work of the Holy Spirit lifted us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of of God's dear and precious Son, Jesus Christ. You see, ours is a spiritual life. We are not of this world, even though we are in this world. Listen to the promise of Jesus, our precious Savior. If you love me, He says, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you do because He lives with you now. Do you need counsel? He is the counselor. Do you need comfort? He never leaves us. Do you need guidance? He leads us into all truth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. The Bible calls Him the paraclete, our attorney. That is, He is there when we are under attack of any kind. While it's true that, as Jesus says, the world at large cannot receive Him because it is not looking for Him, I often wonder if many Christians have failed to receive Him in His fullness because we are not looking for Him either or because we have sort of set Him aside. But remember the Bible says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the key to fullness of life is a Spirit-controlled life. Our inner problems emerge always out of the exercise of self-interest? Only the Holy Spirit can harness this. We are called upon as followers of Jesus to subdue the flesh, to subdue selfishness. It cannot be done apart from the influence, the fullness, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul writes, I advise you to live according to your new life In the Holy Spirit, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, if we focus life on self, on what we want, on our opinions, our perspectives, our this and our that and our the other, there will be little, if or no, conflict between. The flesh and the spirit, because if we do not have the spirit of God in us, where would there be any conflict? And if we, if the spirit of God does not have us in our fullness to him, if we're not abiding in Christ, why would there be any conflict? We'll just go on living in a self interest life. But if we belong to Jesus, then there is conflict. As we noted last week, these two forces, the flesh and the Spirit, are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. So what's our hope? This is why we so desperately need the Holy Spirit. All the commands of the New Testament can be reduced to the necessity of walking by the Spirit. You see, our flesh wants to create anger and hostility and bitterness and jealousy, envy and strife in us. It wants us to live in anxiety and worry. It wants us to be afraid, to doubt, to hate God. It wants us full of guilt. It wants our homes wrecked, our relationships ruined. And the only hope of overcoming the flesh, a life lived out of self-interest, is to walk by the Spirit of God. You see, human solutions do not and cannot resolve spiritual problems. At the heart of every human being is this spiritual issue. You see, we were made, we were created in the image of God. And at the core of our being, we are spiritual individuals. There is no escaping that. And there is a desperate effort all across the world to gain spiritual peace and spiritual fullness and spiritual joy by human methods. But none of them will work because none of them can work. Spiritual solutions belong to the Holy Spirit. Full victorious Christian life is accomplished by walking in the Holy Spirit. So, I want to ask this question as we come to a close here. Who is in control? We all live under the control of something or someone. Everyone lives under control of your self-interest, of the enemy of our soul, of the Spirit of God, of circumstances, We all live under some kind of control. And Paul sums up the whole matter this way. Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Making music unto the Lord in your hearts. And you'll always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It sounds like fullness of life. Paul goes on to say, but when the Holy Spirit controls your life, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against those kinds of things. Think about those fruits being a part of your family, a part of your workplace, a part of this church, that it just flowing all of the time, the fruit of the Holy Spirit We can only get and grow this kind of fruit from the Holy Spirit who lives inside believers and produces the fruit as we remain in Christ. Last week we looked at Paul's word to the Roman church and to us. I plead with you, he said, give your bodies to God. Have you noticed that those verses do not tell us which person of the Godhead we are to give our bodies to? It's not to Jesus. He already has a body. It is a resurrected body. It is not to the Father who sits on the throne, His throne in the heavens and who, who sent the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit has come to earth without a body. And God gives us, His followers, the privilege and indescribable honor of presenting our bodies to the Holy Spirit To be His indwelling place on this earth. To become the temple of the living God. And so we can pray something like this. "O Holy Spirit, thank You for coming among us. Thank You for Your desire to live inside us. To give us power to live a holy life. A life that is filled with love for God and for all people everywhere. I give my body to You. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I am yours. I surrender to you and your way. I give you my hands. I give you my ears. I give you my eyes. I give you my brain. I give you my feet. I give you my limbs. Do in me and through me anything you please. Send me where you want. If I can be of greatest honor to the name of God by being put on a shelf somewhere or through suffering... That's okay by me as long as you get glory because this is your body. I know you accept this body as your dwelling because your word says that this giving of my body to you is acceptable unto God. Thank you. Amen. I've given up on the idea of being a great athlete. Unless I can get into shuffleboard or something. (laughs) And I've given up, really, on trying to live an abundant, fruitful, full life without the helper, the counselor, the giver of every good and perfect gift, the divine attorney, the way, the truth, and the life, the Holy Spirit. Trophies? Well, I'll rest in Paul's words to Timothy, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the great day of His return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to His glorious return. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill me now. Fill me now. Come, O come, and fill me now. The grace and love and mercy of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest upon us all. And may the Holy Spirit so fill us. And may we so surrender our, God, our lives to you, our bodies to you, that the Holy Spirit will do in us and through us anything and everything you so please. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a wonderful Mother's Day, and uh, God bless you all.